So let's go ahead and get started as people are filtering in here. Now, you, I don't know completely your background. Tell me as much as you want to about um, who you are, what you do, uh, what you want to talk about tonight. Uh, so, uh, well, first off, thanks, Sam. I appreciate uh, you honestly listening or kind of, you know, putting me out, you know, let me actually have a voice out there because it seems like these days, especially in healthcare, it's just, you don't really have a voice or you're kind of silenced and all that. So I really, really yes. appreciate you taking the time to create that space, man. Um, so my name is Dave. I am 31. I am a pharmacist at a hospital okay. in Michigan. And uh, so that's pretty much my background. Uh, I've been freshly out of pharmacy school for the last four years. Uh, went to Wayne State University for pharmacy and all that. So had a lot of connections with, you know, I've worked community i've worked both sides uh you know worked in what is that did i i worked at cbs and i've worked at meyer pharmacy and then uh, i interned at the kamados cancer center okay so yeah and now i work at a hospital i'm not going to say what but yeah please you know, don't. Keep no need <laughs> <laughs> so uh what i've noticed thus far and, you know, it's been a lot of discussions with, you know, myself and some other pharmacists that it's getting to the point where, you know, we have all of these new drugs and that are and new monoclonal antibodies that are coming out. And just the other day, actually, you know, I actually have to say to a PA and an attending that, you know, we can, none of these none of these antibodies work anymore. It's just like the virus is is as rapidly you know, mutating and changing that we can't keep up with it mm-hmm. in terms of our treatment. It's just one more new, oh, well, this monoclonal antibody now covers against Omicron. And these ones now, they don't cover, you know, against Omicron. Uh, mm-hmm. Omicron. And now it's just getting to the point where, you know, the line between benefit versus risk has just blurred. Because, like, now we're just giving these drugs just to, all right, well, you know, we might, it might help out. But we have, I can't sit so- there with the patient. Yeah, I want to jump in. It's almost a shot in the dark because, like, at this on the other side of that coin, unless they're doing some real lab analysis to find out what strain it is, they don't. That you don't even know what what strain the patient's infected with. Really, I mean, is that a true statement? Yeah, roughly. Yeah, I mean, there, there's some data that's tested, but right now, we're, I think we're still being. I think now, majority of our cases are now Omicron variant. Okay, and um. So about 93% of it. So the monoclonal antibodies that worked before are not working now towards the new the new strain. And so now we're jumping to a newer monoclonal antibody. I think it starts like citrolimab or something like that. Starts with an F. And then uh, we're also only reserving some monoclonal antibodies if they are hypoxic and they are just really severe cases and all that. Okay. So... But yeah, I mean, it's just, it's been really, really concerning, you know, because it's just, you know, now I can't sit there and just be like, well, okay, I, I, let me just dispense you this drug, and I can't, I can give you like the short term, you know, outcomes that hey, it might help you out, but the long term effects, there's not really much to say, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, they've they've enforced these mandates at our hospital with the vaccine mandates. I'm currently vaccinated. I've even got my booster. Uh, unfortunately, that's just the pay-to-play type of situation if you want to go work in healthcare nowadays. Yeah. Um, 
the the 2020 oh yeah uh healthcare heroes and all that that's all gone you know well, and, and longer- i want to ask you you know you're since you're four years out of um pharmacy school like what were what were you taught versus today's reality what were some of the things that are happening now that you were like what is going on compared with what you were told in school um what is going on now compared to what yeah, I was told I, in I mean were there were there things that like they taught you we do it this way we do it this way for this reason is to protect the patients and that's out the window with the pandemic or, you know, anything yeah. along those yeah, lines, you, you see what I'm getting at? Yeah. Cause at least you could, here's the difference is that we have all these brand new novel drugs mm-hmm. and it's just gotten to the point where I cannot like, legit, I can give you a, I can give you the, the drug and I can tell you like what you can expect maybe in the short term, but the long term outcomes on the safety of whether, okay, you got this monoclonal antibody or you, it's like our patients are slowly becoming test lab rats. Yeah. Lab rats. It, it is, and honestly, it's scary, Sam. It is so scary, I, and that's why I, that's the conversations I've had with these other pharmacists. And it's, a, you know, and the only thing too is that what people don't understand and realize that when Joe Biden uh, implemented these vaccine mandates and all that, while you know we did have some vaccine clinics in the hospital, mm-hmm. but what what that really affected was actually the clinical farm. The I'm sorry, the community pharmacists, the pharmacists that are at CVS. They're at uh, Walgreens, like, you know, your typical, you know, right down the street pharmacists are now getting slammed. Not only are they getting slammed with all the med orders that they do because the amount of drugs that people are taking is out of this world, that they have to fill those orders and then they have to do the regular vaccines that they have to do. And on top of that, now they have to get appointments and there is burnout. There are people, there are pharmacists that are like, screw this, I'm leaving. Um, You have... There, there are pharmacies that came in open because there are no pharmacists to work. Mm-hmm. There are no technicians, you know, in the state of Michigan, they just recently upped the, um, the requirement for a pharmacy te- uh, technician. I think also in, yeah, in community and in, in hospital that you have to be licensed and that you have to take an exam and all that. Well, you know, people aren't going to work if you're going to work at CVS at $9 an hour. Now they're actually jumping the pay to like 15 to 20 bucks an hour. Yeah. You know, and these, and these people are burned out. Like we, we have had a pharmacist that just recently graduated. She was an intern. She, for the last three to four months, because we can't fill a pharmacy technician position. She's been working during the day as a technician and then flip into nights and working as a pharmacist. Hmm. Outrageous. It is because we're so shortly staffed. Like nobody wants to work. Yeah. It is. I mean, even and, if you also were some of them. We, we saw the same thing from, uh, or her, I've heard the same thing from uh, Nurse Sarah. She's a ICU nurse uh, deal, putting kids into cardiac care, and she's just so stressed out. And I think for her, it's more of um, like living the lie every day and seeing yeah. uh, that, you know, these kids are being injured and nobody's acknowledging it. Nobody wants to face reality and she's going home crying and tears and just wanting to, to quit. It's just like, it's not worth it to her. Um, and they, they had plans to add, or they have plans right now to expand the, uh, the cardiac care unit by like 57 beds. And, 
they're going to hire all these staff. And I'm like, Sarah, where are these people going to come from? And she's like, yeah, I, I don't know. And, and it, to <laughs> me, it's just showing the collapse of the healthcare system. Meanwhile, we're having some of these vaccinated people dropping out of the workforce because they're being vaccine injured. What are you seeing as far yeah. as prescriptions? I don't know how much of this you can answer, but are you seeing like a general people get vaccinated and then you're filling new scripts for them? Um, well, what do you mean in terms of like, uh, what we're sending them home on or like, are they, um, post-vaccination, are they developing conditions? Are you seeing new patterns emerge where people get vaccinated? They develop some kind of new condition and now they're on blood thinners, for example, for the rest of their life. Have you seen any kind of increase in along those lines? Yeah. I'm sorry to cut you off. Uh, we have noticed um, like an increase in terms of like um, when, when, because one of the side effects of COVID is blood clots. And you mentioned that very early on mm-hmm. and you, and you caught that. And we, I have noticed an uptick with blood thinners such as Aliquis, such as Zeralto, such as Warfarin mm-hmm. um, that we are starting to see patients now go home on that. Now, depending on how long that they're on it for, usually like the minimum is now, I think like six months. Um, but I mean, there, there are patients with, gosh, I mean, a lot of anticoagulation issues. And yeah, I mean, it also stems from obesity. I mean, it's just the patients that we get in now, man, they have a boat, you know, a boatload of issues and problems and it's, it's getting only worse and worse and worse. It's like, and it's just a failure from, I would say, our healthcare, you know, from the entire government. I mean, they they created this food pyramid that is utter bullshit. And, yeah. and, and, you know, pushing all these foods, you go into the grocery store and it's just all preservatives. And it's like yeah. my, my neighbors yeah. that I've described, I don't know if you've ever heard me talk about them at the handful of times he was probably 500 pounds and had an open sore on the back of his leg for four years that turned into like a pork loin that looked like it was running down his calf. And yeah. it's just, and he just never, they never did anything to change their lifestyle. And I, every time I see them, they're holding a 32 ounce soda from Waterburger or Sonic. And like, that's their dinner three nights a week or yeah. something. And the rest of the time sure. they, they called me over and they were eating hamburgers with the cheap white bread and cheese out of a can and bean dip out of a can and chips. And I'm like, Wow. No wonder. I mean, it, yeah. And then the problem with that, too, is that we can't get these patients in. I mean, granted, with, with insurance issues or what what have you, but they're now coming to the ER when it could have been, there could have been some follow-up in the outpatient. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're seeing an overwhelming, uh, you know, our ERs are so overwhelmed right now that it's like we, if we would have had, if we would have caught you like six months ago or a year ago, if you just had regular checkups, mm-hmm. then we could have this we could have maybe nipped this in the butt but it's just you know diet lack of exercise um mental health the mental health oh my gosh our we have a we have a mental health unit and that is completely full i mean mm. it is insane and really there's not much we can really do on uh, on our end as you know yeah. as pharmacists but it's just it's just it's really sad sam sign really of sad. the times yeah um, so what, like, walk me through the whole, 
uh, COVID hits, where are you working? Are you, are you in the hospital when this hits or are you at one of the other jobs you mentioned and kind of what was that like going through that, that whole pandemic, if we want to call it that? Well, I would have to say it was, you know, probably with everybody listening here. I mean, it was a shock, you know, that, oh my gosh, that we have, like, it was, it was almost like that. It, it was just rumored. And then all of a sudden we started seeing the cases uptick and then uptick. Okay. And we're like, oh my gosh, like we, and then we had the shutdowns occur. We got to start wearing masks. I mean, I can't, we got to start wearing masks. And then every single day we had a comment. Even now we're still coming in and we are getting our temperature checked. It's like oh. nothing's changed. Nothing has changed. And it's like, when are we going to, and okay, I'll, actually let me backtrack. So yeah, coming okay. in. And so we started seeing more and more cases. Then we had the issue with, Gretchen sending all these uh, sending all these patients to these nursing homes and these nursing homes are like rejecting like no 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 we don't want these patients and so we had the whole nursing home situation in Michigan and you know honestly it's, that's almost an impeachable offense for Gretchen yeah. Whitmer oh uh, on, on, you know. and in New York I, I mean it was mass and New York murder. as well I mean literally they, they sent these people that were sick that shouldn't have not been sent these nursing homes and people legit died and then and, and her response was we started to start opening up these uh, uh just waste of taxpayer dollars of these uh we had like this one oh god was it like a convention center that was two convention centers in the area that were open and they weren't taking any patients unbelievable <laughs> like they were just empty beds yeah and, and, and i remember reading some waste. of the stories about like the security personnel getting $68 an hour to, to, mm-hmm. to just run security at one of these temporary hospitals that they set up for COVID overflow that never received a yeah. single patient. That was here in Texas. That was, I, I mean, yeah. the, the amount of money that has just been blown and, and it's really not blown. It's handed out to their friends and buddies because that's what government is. It's this giant wealth extraction tool it's just mind boggling and people yeah. just don't realize that we, we pay for that. We pay for that. We're yep. paying for it right now. That's why everything's getting more expensive. Yep. It is. Um, I mean, also when it came to the treatment side of it, I'll be not, we had, we had a lot of experimentation and we, we went from, what was it? Zithromax with hydroxychloroquine. Then it was, some sometimes it was hydroxychloroquine by then it went to hydroxychloroquine by itself and uh, I mean we saw there was a study that came out in the Henry Ford and they you know originally they were saying oh it was effective early on in treatment but then quickly they're like you know you, it, it was almost like the scholars jumped in and then like I, you know I would say like a week or two later Henry Ford had to like back out of the actual like a, like backtrack their statement, like, Oh, it could help, but not really, you know? Mm-hmm. And then like really these docs didn't know what to do. I mean, then, you know, the rumors came around. What came next after that? The rumors you know, started seeing- well, I, I just want to jump in real quick. You're talking about uh, hydroxychloroquine. So Jinky Keys, this Twitter account that I, I believe in when he says he worked for under Fauci and um, Pfizer He's been posting about this this study that came out sort of uh, proving that hydroxychloroquine is not safe. And 
like he was basically fed a data set and he's just posted this, I think, yeah, 14 hours ago talking about how uh, he's got highlighted here because all the authors were not granted access to the raw data. So these guys were given this data set without the accompanying raw data and basically told to go demonize hydroxychloroquine. And he's kind of laying out the case to show that no, it, w- it was an outright assault so that these drug companies could make their billions of dollars. And they, Right on the head. Right uh, on the head. Yeah. So go ahead. Right on the head. I mean, I felt the exact same way because, I mean, we started seeing that data. I mean, the patients that were really severe and really critical, I mean, it felt like we couldn't really do much for them. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's some, ca- there's some cases that come in and we're just like, holy smokes, like no comorbidities. The only thing we, you know, they might just be obese, you know, obesity, just having a BMI over 25, to just put you at risk of COVID. And, you know, we're really shaking our head. Like what is going on? Like, but I am, I'm actually with the, with the approach of uh, I'm an all the above approach. I'm not like if hydroxychloroquine was working, it's working. But again, it's evidence-based medicine. I understand that, but you're starting to see like, like I saw a study for culture scheme, which is used to treat gout to potentially, you know, treat COVID-19. I, and that's, you know, a little bit cheaper over-the-counter stuff. I'm starting to see, I saw another study, I think, uh, what's his face? Uh, Tucker Carlson did an interview with a woman that was given a high dose of sildenafil, which is brand-name Viagra. Yeah. And she was days away from dying. And that was, and I looked that up, and that was down, done down in Chile. But it's just like, we have, some, like, for all we know, the cure could already be, out there and it's just these drug companies wanting to come in and like let's just use our drug that we've been studying like um like remdesivir or whatever and it's just it's it's well it's really sad and remdesivir really but I say that, that's the field i'm in but it's just i i there's clear manipulation yeah and if you can't see that then that's just and and up. you know like the problem with fauci's story in my opinion the biggest problem that i see with it is uh, this is not his first rodeo. He pulled all these same dirty tricks when it came to HIV. He was experimenting on orphan children, subjecting them to medical procedures without a guardian's consent or anything. He was uh, pushing this AZT drug, which was actually killing the, the AIDS patients. And this was what the whole Dallas Buyers Club was all about covering oh, yeah. you know, what was going on. He's spreading misinformation. There's this old video clip of him saying uh, you can you can get HIV from being around somebody who's positive or from the toilet seat. That that was him that started that that kind of Oh, was that really? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And um I I mean this is all there's there's blog sites out there that break it down but robert kennedy's book i think probably does it a lot better i haven't read it or if if there's an audio book i'll listen to it but i haven't yet um but yeah he he's basically following the exact same playbook and remdesivir even though it's killing the patients and um putting their kids it's not it's not it's not it's killing the patient it's just that it's not as effective you know i'm not and and if a patient wants from Jessica, they can get it. I have no issues with yeah. it. They, I mean, I'm not going to stop. Oh, God damn it.
okay. Sorry, sorry, my uh, app just crashed on my phone. Oh, okay. I was about were, to say it got really quiet. Yeah, no, were, were you able to still talk and everybody able to hear you? Yeah, a little bit. I kind of just had that awkward moment. I feel bad for all the okay. listeners out there. Yeah, no, it was my fault. It might do that again. I don't know why it's all of a sudden started crashing. Um, I have another tablet that I can, I'll probably try and see if maybe that fixes it. Uh, but anyway, we, we may just have to deal with it. It might happen a couple more times. Um, yeah. It, anyway, so uh, remdesivir, as I understand it, I, I've, I've heard two numbers that 30% of the patients who get it die and also that 50%. The 30% I think was in a study. Um, but what I understand happens to a lot of these people is their kidneys shut down because of the drug and then they're giving them an IV and it's basically building up fluid in their body. And you have that, uh, I think he's an attorney or something whose dad was in the hospital or whatever and uh, came in and said, no, you know, put them on, get rid of the water, take them off the IV, take them off this medication and he completely turns around. And, and it's so stunning to me to see these doctors that, that are, you know, supposed to be the experts here and, and looking out for us to just blindly prescribe some of these treatments. And in the face of failure, they just don't even seem to like, it's like, it's, I, I, I don't, I, I can't explain their behavior. I, I don't know if you want to. Well, I can, I can try to kind of help out with that. Yeah, and the, please. And the really is just like these docs when they're there and they're prescribing, mm-hmm. it's more about, did I do something for the patient? You know, is, if the treatment is there, I have to, it's almost like they have to offer it because if they don't offer it, we got healthcare lawyers or whatever that are willing to, you know, Oh, I didn't get the proper treatment or, you mm-hmm. know, God forbid you have a family member that, you know, somebody, you know, the patient passed away and their family members going after the, so they kind of just do it just to, Hey, at least I, you know, you're in the hospital. I saw you. Let me just write you something real quick and let me just be on my way. Hey, you know, remdesivir does treat COVID-19. Mm-hmm. And so I gave you something. You can't be upset. And what, I mean, and then what happens to you after that? Well, you know, whatever the long-term side effects, I don't know, but at least I did something for it and you can't sue me for it. <laughs> and then on the other side of that coin, Typically, outside of the hospitals, you have, uh, you know, McCullough and um, Dr. Corey and all of these other doctors that are out there in private practice looking at the symptoms the patient's presenting with and then trying the drugs that treat those symptoms. And it's usually, like you were kind of mentioning, it's not one wonder drug. It's a combination of four or five that treats the various symptoms and they're having tremendous success. Whereas, you know, there it sounds like they're following a script rather than uh, evaluating a patient. Do you, you want to talk about that? I, I don't know if, I mean, you've worked. Well, I'm not saying that every single patient has come in has received remdesivir. Okay. You know, sometimes they, there is a criteria base. Um, there's criteria even for receiving, like whether you receive remdesivir, the, the different monoclonal antibodies, like mm-hmm. you have to be, um, you know, not not hypoxic or what have you versus other drugs we will you know prescribe you like if you fall in a certain category then we're gonna then we're gonna look at prescribing it and then again also it's a grants too like 
I think there's like a form you have to, you have to, the patient has to fill out that, Hey, I'm going to receive this in monoclonal antibody or, um, and I have, and I have to document that now, um, for every single patient that, Hey, they, you know, they meet this criteria or whatever they kind of cover my, you know, cover my butt. So, so what's the relationship between you and the doctor, the prescribing doctor? Um, are y'all working together to come up with the best treatment plan? Is it, uh, he dictates to you and then you agree or disagree and get back with them if you want to, or just prescribe it. Like, how does that work? Well, um, for the most, I would probably say like number two, you would, I mean, it's not like we're at, a, I'm in a little bit of a smaller hospital, but still a teaching hospital. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's more about, Hey, do they meet criteria? Um, and if they prescribe it, they prescribe it. And also do we even have it on hand too? We've had a lot of drug shortages and all that too. Okay. Um, and whether we even have it. So, uh, we kind of, it was kind of funny, like, uh, when it came to all like the different boosters or whatever, we ended up only like doing it for a month or whatever. And then we just kind of went away. Like right when like people wanted to get the booster, it's like, we just stopped giving out the booster. Uh, And of course, and yeah, so that was very interesting. At least at my hospital it was, um, but again, you can't get it at my hospital where you have to go. You have to go down to your local pharmacy or you do your doctor office if they even have it, and then you're going to be just all around that pharmacist who who already has so much going on in burnout. I mean, we have I know pharmacists that have come in on their off shift and work twelve hour shifts just so they they can um, fill prescriptions because they had no technicians that would actually be able to come in or transfer from, transfer from another uh, another store. Wow. Um, it is, it is crazy. And this is just one pharmacy chain. I mean, the other pharmacy chains are probably the, the exact same, same situation. Way. Yeah. I, I, is, I think we're it, seeing that across the economy really. And it's like, it, it's still not being acknowledged as for what it is, in my opinion. I mean, the, so you mentioned before, like, what was I taught in school versus what, you know, previously or whatever it, I mean, with with us newer pharmacists, we're kind of a little bit more engaging. We're kind of doing more med recs. We're not afraid to, you know, clinically diagnose the patient and all that. Mm-hmm. Versus the old school pharmacists were more count for lick stick. Let me just push, you know, let me just push these meds through and hope to God that these patients aren't going to come up and ask me drug questions or whatever. I mean, um, and it used to be that you could, you know, you had, you actually knew your local pharmacist and all, and all that, but now right. it's, you know, it's not, it's now you're kind of bouncing from store to store. And also another thing too, is that with these pharmacists that are coming out, they're, they're hiring these retail pharmacists at, I, I've never seen a field where you come in and you're getting paid a much, like the wages drop every single year. They're going to be like, okay, well we hired these pharmacists, you know, in 20, in 2020 at $53 an hour. Well, now the ones that are just coming out, they're they're willing to take on pay because of the massive student loans that they're getting at forty seven, forty five dollars an hour. So, <laughs> so they use that as a bargaining pay. chip to 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 lower your pay. Something like that. I mean, <laughs> my it's it's almost like well, especially in the retail side, is that they're they're trying to get all these newer pharmacists in mm-hmm. and uh, and pay them at a lower at a lower fee and. and way much lower than um than what these uh these seasonal pharmacists are at 
And they're just going to, and eventually we'll just, we'll just overwhelm you to the fact that, okay, well, this younger pharmacist is going to work at 47 or $50 an hour. And, you know, why, why do we need you? You know? Yeah. Uh, and not only that, you have to be back, you know, and then you have the vaccine mandates for their jobs as well. Or yeah. I believe it was at Kroger. If you're not, uh, if you're not vaccinated and you're on their insurance plan or whatever that you earn uh fee every month or something like that okay. it's, it's ridiculous yeah well the the insurance guy that that is seeing the 40 percent increase in all-cause mortality they're blaming it just mindlessly blaming it on the unvaccinated and uh planning to raise their rates and it's like and he just says because well, that's typically what we do not because that's what the data shows us and, and i imagine he's vaccinated and not really looking at like not really wanting to face reality and see what's happening. And so I I think we're all just living in this mass delusion that life's going to go back to the way it was. And this isn't the new normal and the new normal, the old, let's see, uh, the old structure doesn't serve the new normal. It hinders it. And yeah, exactly. You know, until we start to, get rid of some of that dead weight that is all these government rules and regulations. And, you know, it might be that the hospital system just dies. People are, I think, going to lose so much trust as this unfolds um, that I I, I see uh, hopefully, you know, new systems evolving like some of the doctors that we've talked to on the show that are doing, you know, evidence-based medicine really is, is how I would describe it. Yeah. Instead of you know, um, these CDC uh, treatment plans, which are, are absolutely horrific and uh, exclude the solutions that actually help so that they can, you know, funnel money into their buddies at the drug companies or cartels. It, it's, it's just funny, Sam, because we just, um, um, my particular hospital system, they just came out with something with the new CDC guidelines about well, if you're asymptomatic and there's a crisis and you are COVID positive um, and you're, you're showing, you know, showing mild symptoms, you're still required to come Tend in. To work. You're yeah. COVID positive. And, you're, and it's just like, it's just so funny how we've come in just, what is it, like a, like a year and a half time? Uh-huh. Almost just about, and like the people that, you know, when this first started happening, it was like, well, what's with all the, out- I'm, in my head, I was like, what's with all the outrage? It's a virus. I get it, but it's, people are going to get, you're either going to get a virus through exposure through another person, or you're going to get a virus through exposure through a vaccine. Mm-hmm. And I knew that, that the vaccines, it was just a matter of time. And then, you know, Operation Warp Speed and all that. But, right. um, and the, uh, also the facts that they don't talk about, and that really upset me, is that they don't talk about those that have gotten COVID or the natural immunity. Yes. Like nobody's talking about natural immunity. The elephant in the room. Again, it, it's just, and, we may not even need it. Well, it, yeah, and, go ahead. you know, it's natural immunity is the elephant in the room. I mean, we used to talk about herd immunity as a result of people getting sick, getting the, the virus. We treat the symptoms and, uh, you know, it's, it's the thing was not that deadly. And it was mostly, I think, deadly because of what they were doing to these patients when they put them into the system. And, and you know, 
directing people away from things like ivermectin and hydroxychloroquine and budesonide. They weren't allowing that because, oh, it's an airborne virus, so we can't give a breathing treatment that's going to help these people breathe. We'll put them on a ventilator and wait for them to die. Um, it, it's, it's just such a corrupted process in my mind. I just think that it's just people, it's just experimentation. I feel like you have these upper heads that have been so far out of like the healthcare system that we're dictating all these rules and regulations yeah. to people that were in there. And it's like, they, it's not, it's like they were just testing th- some things out and then, Oh, I'm sorry. We, we didn't mean to do it that way. Or, you know, we want to do it this way this time. And, or that drug didn't work. We're going to go with this drug this time and see if and it's just, it's well, going from one thing to the time, next. At the same time though, Fauci's getting a royalty payment for every booster because he's, I did not know that he holds one of the patents and it's like the, the, and that's, that's one of the problems and why I love that, um, that infographic that I have that shows all of the, you know, like the board member of, of Pfizer is the CEO for Reuters and this guy that used to head the FDA is works for was the CEO of Moderna and how they're all just basically playing musical chairs and they create this network. Of course, the public health agencies like the CDC and the FDA and so forth, or let's talk CDC, their charge is to both regulate and ensure safety of the industry while promoting the vaccines. So like, how do you do that without a conflict of interest? And in that environment, this, the whole thing is just so corrupted. There's no telling what kind of kickbacks and bribes and things are changing hands behind the scenes in order to push something like remdesivir. And, and you got to realize, uh, what is it? Pfizer made $18 billion in one quarter off of this thing. Oh I mean, when you talk about that kind of money, a few hundred million dollars here and there gets to be, you know, a that's like pocket change. So if they yeah. need to go in and, and rig something, make something disappear, whatever, they've got the resources to do it. And uh, I think their past behavior and the things that they've been found guilty of doing show very clearly that that's exactly what they're doing. Oh, yeah. I mean, Sam, I'm, I'm going to say this for the record. Like, I, I'm totally actually not for these kids and these mm-hmm. uh, getting the vaccine. Yeah. I, I mean, it's, again, when they, when, again, I always look at it when they make these announcements of, like, vaccine mandates or now we're going to open it up to the kids. I'm like, I'm thinking about that pharmacist that is in reach. I'm thinking about my friends that are just, okay, now we have to bring in, you yeah. know, your crying kids and let me just pop you in the leg with these COVID vaccines because you're too scared and you're not looking at the facts that no kids were getting COVID. Yeah. That's... <laughs> and so, oh, well, now how are they going to get COVID? What did I say? You're going to get exposure or you're going to get it through a vaccine. Well, guess what? Now these kids are got COVID because you decided to get, you decided to put a vaccine and, and I'm not even surprised about the kickbacks you're talking about, Sam, yeah. you know? Okay. That's one more population now that these, that, that actually angers me the most really, because there's the, the, the data didn't show that these kids, you know, were getting COVID. They were actually getting like rhinovirus. They were getting yes. other viruses 
and we had a we had an uptake, you know, in uh, rhinovirus and influenza than we did with COVID nineteen. From the kids. masks, from the freaking masks. Yeah, exactly. That they're forced on these kids. They, these kids have a great, amazing immune system. And I can understand if your kids got immunocompromised. Fine, and, it, mm-hmm. and I I'm totally for parent choice or whatever. But my God, the put the masks on these kids. It's just it, it's hard. It's hard to see. It it's hurt me. It hurts me now. Yeah. So. Yeah. I like the the 13-year-old girl that we covered in the last night's show that is so heartbreaking to me to to know that like those parents love their daughter thought they were doing the right thing and because those trials were so rigged and so manipulated and they got away with it you know, one of the other, I, that's why I keep going back to those 10 red flags, small trial to make sure, you know, only 1,522 got the shot to make sure the one in 5,000 uh, cases of myocarditis don't show up. They vaccinated their control group after two months, which eliminates the ability to look at long-term safety data. So they wiped that out. They excluded kids with natural immunity because they know it interferes with their natural immunity and they're two to four times more likely to have adverse events as a result. So they cut that out. They only enrolled healthy kids. So people like this poor girl that is now dead wouldn't, you know, wouldn't be in there and they wouldn't have that data showing, uh uh-oh, this is a problem. And so these parents, and then you have the CDC cheerleaders and the FDA coming out and saying it's perfectly safe. And even for pregnant women, based on no studies, no real data, no long-term data, and not really, and now, you know, like with what I covered last night with, or yeah, it was last night, um, with the you know, like the line one and all of this genetic stuff that's happening because the spike protein is getting into the nucleus of the cells and these lipid nanoparticles are just outright poison and they're collecting in the ovaries. And now we have, uh, almost 9,000 fold increase in, uh, menstrual issues with women after they take the injection. It's, it's, yeah. uh, Yeah. How did this happen? How did this happen? Uh, well, the moment we said, "Hey, we're going to give up two weeks," yeah, uh, the yeah, we'll give you the whatever time frame to the flatten the curve. And the moment we handed that over, it was just like we we pretty much just oh god. I mean, it's like we handed over a ton of our freedoms to yeah. the our, the government, and it's just now it's about the elections and the policy makers that are going to be able to try to get us back mm-hmm. to uh, And I don't even know where you can get back to normal uh-uh. because if the, go ahead. Yeah. Well, I, I, like I, I, I wonder how far this is going to go with, um, you know, the vaccine, some of the vaccinated getting sick and dropping out and, um, like how much of government, how much of society is going to keep functioning if this is something that drags on for, you know, three years, five years, 10 years, something like that. Um, Sam, I have a friend yeah. his, whose dad got the booster and is in the hospital for COVID. Yeah. You know, yeah. so it's just like so well, the boosters aren't even working themselves. And it's just like, why are we, 
continue, like I, I'm even hesitant on like considering even getting another booster from here on out. It's just, I, and I'd rather I just, I'd rather just get it. That. Yeah. Just stay away from yes. it because these lipid nanoparticles are so toxic. They've never figured out. It, it, it's a transfection agent that's getting the mRNA into the cell. Um, but it se- it appears to also get it into the nucleus. We, I don't think they really know how, but we're seeing the spike proteins in the nucleus. Um, and even, you know, back in 2016, like you have the, the executive working on the mRNA transfectants, uh, saying that they're poisonous and they're highly toxic and it's good for real short therapies where, these are less likely to occur. She's not even saying they're not going to occur or that there might be some kind of long-term damage to your body. But like the more she, she very readily admits, you know, if you keep giving repeated doses, it's very dangerous. And the other companies have abandoned this, these lines of research, but not the, you know, not the vaccine makers that we've got today offering these shots for free with no liability on their part, but it's your responsibility to save grandma and save the community by accepting all the risk. And it, it, uh, I, Another thing that really, for it? <laughs> I don't, I don't know how we fell for it. Um, the one thing that really did upset me though, um, cause you, cause you were wondering how everything was kind of coming about. Mm-hmm. Um, one, one thing I would, I took an oath in, in school, and I feel like there's some healthcare, you know, people in healthcare right now that are working. And one of the oaths I took as a pharmacist is protect patient autonomy. And if you refute that the, the sneeches game we're playing right now in society of all oh, you're, you're vaccinated or you're not vaccinated, yeah. you, you don't care or whatever. I mean, if that's your choice not to get it, if, if you decide that you don't want treatment, that is your choice. Yeah. That is, we have, we have gone, that's where we've gone away in our, in our healthcare and, and in general, and just society in general, before it didn't, if you didn't want the flu vaccine, no big deal. But now, or if, if and, and, and if they had health problems, it wasn't any of your business or your neighbor's business of what you had or what, if you, yes. if your body, it wasn't their business. And now everybody's in their business wall. Are you vaccinated? Like I have to like walk into a room without a mask on and you might get the one person that kind of get that stares at you. And I have to say, well, I'm vaccinated. It never was like that. And, and you, I, I think this, this, the, the mass formation really plays in here and they needed a target for this free floating anxiety to be uh, directed towards. And they've done it with their enemies, the people that are out here calling them out for what they're doing. I mean, I'm here. Masks don't work. It, it, it's it's very obvious. I don't know why I'm still wearing. I have to wear a mask to work at all. And and actually, I kind of keep it below my chin, and unless I, someone tells me to pull it up, yeah, I'm yeah. just I'm just at that point where it's going. It's this mask mandates are going to end if the people say so. Yeah. If you just stop complying stop. and just, just say it. I'm not yeah. wearing a mask because they don't work. Right. And and we and it's healthy. That's what people don't understand. It is healthy to exchange germs and not completely always sanitize yourself. I mean, right. to a, to a degree, like if you're over sanitizing, you're over, you're like you're, you're actually harming yourself. You really, you've got to build natural immunity against other people. So I just knew, I knew this virus was going to spread because even though we're all quarantined, the moment we were going to interact with each other, we're, we had to exchange germs. 
Mm-hmm. And it's it's healthy. And Even like there's studies that show uh, fecal transfers, as gross as that sounds, can really help some people who are having all sorts of issues because their body doesn't have the right biome to properly digest and pull the nutrients out of the food that they're eating. And when they do that, that seems to fix the problem for a lot of folks. So it is so important to be exposed to these things and go out and interact with them and give your immune system practice. Yeah, absolutely. And then not only that with, you know, strengthening your immune system with interacting on the people, but again, we were talking earlier about diet and exercise. And I say Mm -hmm. every listener that's out here right now, it's all about, you have one body. Mm-hmm. take care of it eat good foods go exercise daily and eat. you're going to be you're going to be fine you're, you're going to build you're going to build an immune system you're going to you're going to be just fine it, and we've kind of gone away from that i mean a lot of the studies didn't show diet and exercise what do you got to do well i got to lose weight i gotta i gotta eat healthier well that's the answer that's really it mm-hmm. and you know i i'm, I'm also an, a pharmacist that advocates for natural supplements Mm-hmm. Um, I take a t- I take t- uh, turmeric with ginger. It's an anti-inflammatory. It's natural. I yeah. take two capsules. So it's like a thousand milligrams, um, and and ginger. Um, noted with with me saying this, I don't really take it with NSAIDs or any other blood thinners, you know, because that can cause bleed. But still, I mean, it, it's trying to. I'm trying to find a way to you know keep my immune system uh, not always working overtime, you know. Yeah. Because we, because my body is reacting to all the crappy foods that I'm eating, and it's creating a bunch of free radicals, and mm-hmm. you know, I feel like crap some days if I'm if I don't eat well, and it's just, you know, I need something that's going to be able to knock out the free radicals. So, I mean, if you have to take a, me- a medication or a pill, like I, I actually currently currently have low thyroid, so I, and that's another reason why I take the turmeric, but. Um, I take levothyroxine every single day, but it was one of those early drugs, you know, before the. It was one of those grandfather drugs before 1938. So, I mean, it does have some studies behind it. And mm-hmm. we can get into the whole topic about thyroid medications if we really want to. And, um, you know, T3 versus T4 drugs. But um, so like, if, I, if you have to take a medication, then, then take it every single day and take it, you know, loyally. Or if you're not going to take it, then just don't take it. And just and, and stop forgetting, if anything, you know. Yeah. So, yeah, that's just my perspective on it. So. Okay. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Do you want to take some calls from the audience? Yeah. It, yeah. Uh, people want to get, I, I was hoping that people would join, hop on. So and, if you've got a question yeah. for crypto pharmacists and you want to jump on and ask, you can uh, request the microphone and I'll bring you guys on. Um, in the meantime, uh, let me think. What else? Um, what other observations like have you made about just the differences in uh, the private setting? Well, well, let me. There's a good one. What happened with ivermectin uh, throughout the the whole thing, the whole pandemic? I mean, were you prescribing it at a time and then it stopped? And what was the policy and what kind of uh, messaging came around whether you were going to prescribe it or not? Well. Um... Ivermectin going to get a fair shake, and I would say the hospital community, or or at least in our hospital, mm-hmm. um, it wasn't even considered. It was one of those, ha ha, they're taking a horse dewormer or whatever. <laughs> like, 
it wasn't even considered because the elites didn't want it to happen. Um, and and so if it's that, if it's not even going to be approved by our committees or what have you, if we're not even going to take it on them, it just it just never showed up. And but my now you, you know it is an investigational drug on um, NHS. I think there's a, a a PDF I can find you from them that um, that lists. Yeah, I'd that. love to see that. Okay. Yeah, so I mean that's that's one of the most amazing things to me is that you've got these hospitals like arguing with patients that are saying I want ivermectin and they're telling them it's not approved on the CDC protocol. Well, it is approved as an investigational drug for COVID. I think it's with with NIH or uh, Fauci's organization, one of those two. And so there's just there's just so many things um about this that just don't sit right with me well again i mean i'm i'm for an all of the above approach when it comes to treating covid so i mean if it works for some people it works i mean and for all we know it may not because it could just be a um what is it it could just be a placebo effect and placebo effect is a very strong effect of the the fact that your body thinks that it's taking something that it's going to heal itself and just having that you know effect affect your body then fine but if but if on the other hand if we're not going to try it then then we're just kind of harming ourselves mm-hmm. it, it like it's almost counterproductive in my opinion so again i haven't i don't really have a true opinion on ivermectin i just think the out the media outrage the um even on hydroxychloroquine people were like it was almost like the same. when they were like trying to go away from hydroxychloroquine. The the outrage of like, oh, it doesn't work, and get yeah. off hydro, hydro. Let's get past hydroxychloroquine. I was like, if the doc, I mean, if there's well, some they, data that shows that, that it works, they did that high dose study that was way over the normal dose, made people sick intentionally to discredit it, and then that's why everyone was saying, oh, it doesn't work, and this and that because they didn't dose it properly, and it's just, yeah. it's so amazing to me. Yeah. I mean, the, I mean, one of the side effects of hydroxychloroquine is arrhythmias. So, and then when we were given it with, you know, azithromycin at the time, you know, we were really, I was really wa- looking at EKGs. I was even, you know, ordering docs. Hey, can you put a EKG order in for this patient? Guys, I just had to look at it, mm-hmm. you know, to make sure that they weren't going in arrhythmias, which is, but it was only a short dose of it, you know, mm-hmm. but, uh, but then again, we went away from that and we kind of went to these other drugs. And then we had uh, tocilizumab or Actemra. We started using it at first and then the data didn't really show it, that it actually was effective. And then it kind of went away for a couple months. But then we ended up bringing tocilizumab back um, for more of our critical patients because some of the data showed it. And I'm like thinking to myself, okay, well, if it wasn't working at first and now it does work, like... Who's making money on that end? What happened? <laughs> yeah. What happened <laughs> to that? Oh, that's amazing. We didn't make it as much money off that camera as we as you know we did before. So okay. Although it was for another indication, I believe it was for rheumatoid arthritis or something. But yep. Um, and it was just like, well, actually, let's bring that drug back and let's see if that that <laughs> that might work. And it's just now. Have you researched? So we, I talk about a number of different um, sort of natural drugs and so forth to work for COVID long haul, for vaccine uh, recipients, you know, all of it. One of those is NAC. One of those is niacin. Uh, Have you looked at like the role that those play? And uh, do you have any thoughts on those? No, it's in 
NAC or N- wait, you said NAC, yeah, N- like N- N-acetylcysteine? Yes, that one, and also um, the flush niacin, so just B12, but in a non-time well, release formula. Well, I don't, I don't think personally that we've done a, a lot of research into NAC. I think NAC is very helpful for the liver to help get rid of you know toxins and free radicals. It does play a huge role in you know uh, antioxidants too. I, I feel like um, I'm a huge fan of antioxidants and just keeping a healthy body. You know, again, I mentioned turmeric earlier with ginger. Like, just it's I'm I'm for that. If this if it's a naturally occurring substance out in the world, you know we should be looking at taking, you know, if, it, if it's going to cause a benefit, we need to do more studies on those types of yeah. natural medic, you know, medications. Yeah. But I, I learned from early on, even in my pharmacy school year years that, uh, you know, we, we, we ended up um, doing like a presentation on the natural medicines and that's all we got on these natural medicines in school. And, you know, we had to present to the, you know, the class of, you know, or, or our peers that, Oh, like, this drug, you know, based on what, what it studies or whatever, all it is that they like, what they like to say is, is, um, well, it's not effect, it's not ineffective, but it's not effective, okay. you know? So they like to always give this, Nebulous. um, yeah, like it's like, um, we're just going to go and choose what we want to give to the patient, you know? And it's not like it's truly studied. We don't have these big, massive studies with these natural medications and, you know, diving into you know, if it's helpful or not for the patient or not, um, or whether we can give it on the side as a, you know, okay. you can take this every day or, you know, and NAC does have those benefits. Um, I believe we, uh, we give it for Tylenol overdoses and liver, you know, liver damage. And yeah. you could possibly reserve, reverse a patient's liver with just taking NAC, you know, especially if you, you know, we're an alcoholic and all that and just getting rid of bad toxins and free radicals in your body. Okay. So I'm, I'm open to it. I'm, the yeah. thing is that we need to be more open to, you know, and and in public in general, like, hey, could this potentially work or could this potentially work? And not, especially if it's naturally occurring versus what the pharmaceutical, some pharmaceutical companies are pushing out mm-hmm. because they manipulate that data all the time. Yeah, well, and that's where these the cdc and these agencies should be standing up and talking about those and promoting those i mean that was one of the biggest shocks to me is going through this whole thing not once did they get up there and say take vitamin d and make sure your immune system is well supplied i mean that's that's such a basic thing that could have made a huge difference you know at the same time early on you had we had the studies that showed uh, 86% of the people hospitalized were uh, vitamin D deficient and 94%, I think, were that were in the ICU were vitamin D deficient. So, like, that's a pretty big indicator there that something simple, cheap, and effective uh, could, uh, could help. But when there's billions of dollars at stake and, you know, it's like they've been, they've been co-opted. And they've been co-opted to put the make the public health secondary to their uh, to their master's objective of making a bunch of money off of this. Well, another thing too is that when when we went into the two week shutdown and you had all the you know our police was enforcing. I mean, I don't know that you even were enforcing, but you know the mandates and stuff. But just having us go inside and keep you know and stay inside and like you're subject to actually more toxins and. 
yes. bad things just sitting in your own home than you are being outside and exposing yourself to the sun. And, yes. You know, and now even with, you know, the medicine today, they're just saying, oh, you're actually better if you just get your supplementation of vitamin D from a pill that, you know, okay, we can sell you versus going outside and having exposure through the sun. Mm-hmm. So, uh, because, you you know, it's cancerous and all of that. I'm like, just wear some sunblock. <laughs> Get over it. <laughs> well, the sunblock is causing cancer as well. Yeah, that's true, oh, too, you know? Yeah. I, I'm just here for the record for everybody listening. Uh, anything that's higher than SPF 30, it doesn't work. You're wasting your money. Oh, okay. <laughs> I didn't know that. I'm, Interesting. Because they've, they've, they've done the studies between the SPF 50 and 30, and it doesn't make it doesn't make any difference. So okay. just get SPF 30. Just saying. Perfect. Yeah, I'll tell the ex-wife that one. She's crazy about all this stuff and wants to make sure our daughter's totally protected all the time and can't ever get a slight sunburn. I, I get in big trouble if I bring her back with a sunburn. <laughs> um, um, okay. So that was ivermectin. Oh, one of the things I wanted to tell you about, uh, one of the scientists that kind of advises me behind the scenes and help teaches me some of the, uh, virology and immunology and stuff that I'm trying to, you know, figure out to present this stuff back to you guys. He, he grows uh sprenula and you know, it's a super food and super nutrient dense and so forth. And he thinks that that he he's been looking at the science and doing some of those studies that you're talking about need to be done for sprenula and he thinks that it's going to that it could make a big difference with uh with covid as well so there's another one for people to look into yeah you'll have to send me a, you have to send me the report on that because i'm okay i actually haven't heard about that so i'm very curious and I'm, i'll be willing to share with my colleagues about that so yeah, I'll, I'll see if he'll put a thread together i think he was in here earlier but he's disappeared he's on the other side of the world so yeah okay um if anybody wants to jump in and ask a question or yeah, something along those lines, bring, go ahead and do that now. Um, what else do you want to, you want to get across to people? Anything? Um, have you actually, did you, uh, see the documentary with Glenn Beck at all? I was, I was, that's the question I wanted to ask you on, uh, like how far back the, um, the COVID went, I think it was as far back, I think as hurricane Katrina with the, you know, the not allowing, or we can't sue these drug companies for, you know, vaccine injuries or anything like that. But uh, I didn't know if you ever saw his special on that. What was it called? It was Glenn Beck did a special on uh, COVID-19. Oh, oh, and, uh, yeah, yeah, I did. I did. Oh, I, was, I, I was just asking what your thoughts were on that. I, I think that was probably the best timeline. Um, and now what we've got I, I think he did a, a stellar job on it and I retweeted it out and congratulated him on it because I, I thought it was excellent and he really laid out a lot in a lot of detail. And I think that was added to by what uh, Project Veritas and James O'Keefe uh, found here recently or had leaked to them. And you've got Naomi Wolf on, uh, I think it was the War Room today, saying that it looks like the government is at war with itself. You have this deep state that's sitting there uh, pushing this narrative around COVID and the the vaccines and so forth. 
and then this other group that's almost in a civil war with them that leaked this to Project Veritas. And now, all of a sudden, the um, FBI raid on their apartment makes a lot more sense to me. Oh, my gosh. It was not about the diary or whatever the excuse was. It was about them getting leaked this classified information from DARPA that shows that they absolutely knew that ivermectin, hydroxychloroquine were effective treatments for COVID, uh, but also that, I forget the other thing, but I mean, it it just basically decimates their case. Oh, the gain of function shows that they they were lying, that they knew that they were lying, and then they took and hid it in a confidential folder so that it wouldn't be subject to FOIA requests and it wouldn't ever get found, and suddenly James gets that, and and like all of this is happening. Um, of course, you, you know, we've got the court decision from Aaron Siri uh, saying, nope, you're going to release the data in the next eight months, roughly. I, I think it'll probably take longer. But um, their whole thing is really crumbling, in my view. And um, I think it's a very, very interesting thing to, to sit back and, and just take note of all the various things that are happening that have happened in the last couple of weeks, even. Yeah. I mean, and and the truth needs to be exposed and Mm -hmm. I feel like it's slowly being leaked here and there. I mean, I I wasn't surprised when we started seeing reports of the great reset coming out of Mm -hmm. the world economic forum. And, you know, especially obviously my name is crypto pharmacist, so I'm in crypto and that's kind of how I got the following you. But, Mm -hmm. um, and it's just very interesting to see how this, you know, it's not just was with, you know, cryptocurrencies or digital currencies, but also with what else are they trying to do? What else? And, and was COVID the, the, the spark to get every, you know, get these countries, I feel so, I'm sorry, to get these countries and all that to have control over their people and, and, yes. and their sovereignty and all that. And so it's just, it's they, extremely interesting, but I plan to profit off of it if I can do my best. Yeah. <laughs> if we can't stop it. I, I mean, I, I think it's I think it's kind of blowing up in their face. And like Kazakhstan, when when they you know if if what the reports that we're hearing are true, and I I still haven't been able to verify those or haven't taken the time to try and do it yet. Um, but if that's true, that like they forced the vaccine passport and uh, shut people out of banking, unplugged them from the financial system because they didn't go along. And the result is the military's fleeing, the government's fleeing, politicians are having their house burns and government buildings are burning. Um, That's probably making them think twice. And I think, you know, something big is afoot. And it's, in my view, it's the end of this narrative. It's crumbling around them and they're starting to panic and realize uh, we got to do something different. And that's why we're starting to hear the truth now. They're, I think they're trying to wind this whole thing down. Uh, of course, like you're mentioning, they're going to want to keep all of the power grabs that they've made over the last year. They don't want to give those up, but they're, they're, they know that they're losing credibility uh, continuing to push the pandemic narrative. Yes, they are. And it's a very unpopular topic, too, that I've noticed. Mm-hmm. So, Kova, you want to jump in and uh, ask something? Or... Oh, man. What's going on, Sam? How you doing? What's going on, Crypto Podcast? How you doing? 
Good, man. How are you doing? Good. Sam, I know you've been reporting on it, but it, it seems now that before the, the narrative would fall apart like every month or every two weeks, and now it's accelerated to like every 48 to 72 hours, <laughs> like the narrative just co- consistently yeah. falls apart. I mean, you, got, you have, what is it, the Pfizer CEO coming out and saying that three jabs are no longer effective and we know this now? Yeah. And, and, he, and he's like, and it's like how Bill Gates would tell people how they plan on depopulating the world with vaccines in a casual conversation. And it's like no one would pick up on it. Mm-hmm. And he says it's on TV and it's as if he said nothing at all. And the CDC director alluded to the same thing, that they know that it's not working. They're already approving a, a, OV, a, a, a Omicron jab for, for the March or April. And like who is going to, in their right mind, is going to be like, oh, yeah, okay, let's go, let's go with round two, a whole new series of shots for this. Because the first time it worked out so fucking well, let me tell you. <laughs> This is that too. It's just the, uh, you know, being a healthcare worker, especially, you know, in a system that I'm just waiting for them to just say, hey, uh, now you actually need a COVID vaccine and a flu vaccine to work here. Yeah. Well, they're pushing the flu vaccine heavy. Let me the commercials and everything in New York City. They're put, well, here's the thing with, with, with in New York City, right, when it comes to the vaccine roll, rollout. Uh, a lot of the uh, ethnic communities, black, Hispanic, or whatever else you want to classify, they, you know, they, we, we kind of stopped taking the vaccines, right? So in the beginning, they had in the uh, Indian, uh, the Indian doctor, I don't know, I forgot who he is, but I know he's a good Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, the short one with the glasses. So he was doing all of the commercials in New York City. Then all of a sudden, they swapped him out, and, not, and then now they have a, like a black guy doing all the commercials, and they, they swapped out all of the actors, and now they just have heavily like African-American and, and Hispanic, um, you know, actors or whoever these people are in all of these vaccine commercials because they need so the many people. Yeah, they, meet, they yeah. need so many more minorities mm-hmm. to, get these, mm-hmm. to get these vaccines. And a lot of people really just stopped being bothered with it. And now they're, well, and now they're pushing heavy. They're pushing heavy the flu vaccine next month. They're pushing the shingles vaccine, and they're still consistently pushing. I don't think they've recognized yet how much damage has been done to their agenda with with their behavior over the last two years. Well, I don't. I don't blame anybody. You know, especially you know the minority community. You know, especially with what happened with the you know just Tuskegee Airmen. I mean. Mm-hmm. What what's happening with these vaccine mandates and you can't or passports? I mean, that's even more scary. I actually got into an mm-hmm. argument with somebody who she's a minority I work with, and she was more concerned about voting rights and didn't really care about vaccine passports. She would have rather you know people go get the jab, but she was buying. I mean, she's she's the type of person that buys everything that you know mainstream media. You know, she's more concerned. Like we're talking here, like. Like Nazi Germany, like if you wore, you had to wear a star, you had to wear something, or you couldn't go somewhere. Well, they're doing it in the reverse. They're giving stars to the compliant, which is kind of like having the same effect of dividing society. 
but it's like they can do it because they're programmed. You know, they're they're in the it's, mass formation. It's, it's simply not registering. Like it's not like it's literally not clicking. Like I, I have my, my brother his uh girl, his fiance, she's vaccinated. After her vaccine, she didn't catch COVID the whole twenty twenty, twenty twenty one. After her vaccine, she gets COVID. He gets COVID from her, and he got, like, the weird COVID symptoms. Like, he has some kind of weird skin sensitivity issue. Mm-hmm. And then and then her mother got COVID. And her mother is, like, wheelchair-bound, disabled, doesn't go outside. And they don't realize that she probably got COVID from the daughter because the daughter shed it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, what we, and that's why they needed the booster. The you know the boosters aren't they're they're just wearing off. They're not they're not true vaccines. And so we're gonna I mean we're gonna be and, constantly getting vaccines or the new or the new boosters because they're the old ones aren't working. And you know like that's a messaging change that I think needs to happen right there. With every time they come on TV, uh, they talk about ninety six percent effective. Uh, efficacy or 80% of efficacy. So this is really good protection. And like these journalists need to be asking him for how long, how long does that protection last? What does the data show? None of them do it. And it's like, it's a point that's completely lost here because of, uh, what's happening is, is just, they, they don't want to talk about it because it declines and then it goes negative and then you become i think the sto- the story that we read yesterday looking at the data in the UK was two and a quarter times more likely to catch covid overall if you're vaccinated because eventually even the, that booster wears off it, it it took the danish data from negative 275% to like negative 25% and so and that, that's why they're out rushing to tell everybody get boosted, get boosted, but it just keeps pushing them further down the road. It gives them more of these lipid nanoparticles that are toxic. And, and then they're sweeping everything else under the coincidence rug. All the, the fallout so from crazy that. Is that that was a published certified article that stated that. So we're now at the point where they're openly saying that the vaccinated people are more than likely to get COVID. And from last year, that was a conspiracy theory. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. We're starting to see, and I'm glad you mentioned that because the stuff that like people were saying in the beginning of like, what, what's not overreact? Do we really need to enforce these masks? Do we really need to like receive a vaccine for COVID-19 because here's the thing is that coronaviruses have always existed, always have existed. Yes. Your common cold was a, was coronavirus. It just so happens that this COVID-19, which may or may not have been manufactured in a lab can be either stronger or whatever. So we can, you know, fight eventually against the, you know, I think what it is originally from the bird flu or something like that, or SARS COVID three or way back in 2003, that didn't really affect a lot of people. Um, it, it's like, do we really need that? And then it, it was, Trump, I mean, Donald Trump was, I mean, I, don't, I think at first he was like, not on the, not on the, the fast, you know, he wasn't like all about doing the vaccines. And then it's like, it seemed like his narrative changed. And then he's like, oh, we got to get these vaccines out warp speed. 
And then, you know, Biden gets up there and says, oh, you know, I was president, you know, this would have been over with within a year. And and let me just shut down the economy. But then people go off and they go vote for him or whatever. And it's just like. And then then he comes out and says, there's no federal solution. This would have been over with. And he comes out and says, there's no federal solution. It's just like, wait a minute. That was your whole campaign. Was you were and no one bat, and the media didn't even bat an eye. Uh, the media did not bat a single eye. They didn't say not a single fucking word yeah. after he said that. Yeah, exactly. Mm. Not a word. And and again, his his vaccine mandates and everything has completely affected even just the pharmacists down the street. You know, if we can't fill your medications, you know, if you have nobody to you know step in and work the. the the crazy shifts or whatever, then you're not going to get your medications on time. You're going to have a delay. And if you and if you need life. Shit. Oh, I wanted to ask you, I wanted to ask you, I wanted to uh, ask you. So seeing how the information got slid over to Project Veritas. Where you at on the uh, on the sock? Where you <laughs> Oh yeah, that's that's kind of what I was referencing there is um it's you know, it could be an SOC. This is like this is we're talking Cliff High and his theory about there's this organization within the government that's working to undermine their efforts. Um it could be that. It could also just be a whistleblower who took part in those meetings or had access to that, knew what was done, has been sitting on it and, and just, you know, his conscience finally caught up with them because who knows, you know, maybe his mom died or something. It's hard to say definitively one way or another, but it's just so interesting to me that this whole thing is now starting to blow up all around the world. Not just this is, a, this is a data point. Um, right, what's happening right now is the temporal marker from what Cliff said in, in yeah. the first few weeks of January. This, like, what we're experiencing right now, hits one of his temporal markers that he mentioned about uh, a few months ago. Matter of fact, it might have been a what, couple of the videos last month, maybe. Mm-hmm. It was a price controls, was the latest one that he put out. Um, yeah, that, that, All, a that lot of fixing the price of natural gas in the UK. Uh, I don't, I don't know who this guy is, but yeah, I'm interested. Oh, Cliff, Cliff High. He's, um, he created this web bot thing that I've been following for, I think 15 years or so. And I actually paid him a a Bitcoin for one of the reports, uh, when they were worth $20. And, uh, you know, he he goes out, he's basically shown the ability to predict the future sort of with, his um, language analysis of changes in speech patterns on different internet sites that he would go out and look at and ties into this whole idea of global consciousness and awareness and so forth. And that these big events create ripples in time that go out in both directions and uh, what the, the temporal markers are some of those events that happen before a major event. And he's, He's had this die off of 1.06 billion or 1.2 billion, something like that. People, uh, he started out looking at sun, sun, uh, for sun microsystems So you know, he built this tool to 
you know, rigged the stock market just like the the whole Westworld guys did with their with their AI. And um, yeah. he started finding this sun disease, corona, uh, or not corona, but the sun has a corona. And we think that's what he was picking up, you know, back when he first started. And, uh, you know, what he sees, what the data shows him, what his data shows is that, like, things just kind of fall apart. And the government, whatever it looks like in this, you know, post-collapse kind of thing, they try to, their fiat system fails. They try to roll out a new system that's going to be their CBDC, CBDC system. That's going to rapidly fail, you know, maybe in the course of a few years or a decade or something. They roll out something else that fails and then nothing replaces it. And that nothing is just decentralized money. We don't, there is no fiat system, government money. And that is, you know, we're going, I think we're in for a rough ride here in the next few years. Uh, if we can get rid of um, governments, uh, strip government of the ability to print and coin money, we will solve so many of these problems because it will take all of this money out. Uh, you know, all of these billions of dollars that they're able to print and manipulate data, manipulate organizations, manipulate public sentiment with that that goes away because they can't just print crypto. They have to buy it from somebody first. And uh, that means direct taxation and so forth. And they just would never be able to exist in the way that they do today. So, you know, this might be just something that we need to go through to get through that process. I, I don't know. Have you ever, have you ever estimated what the uh, what would happen to Bitcoin if the if the Tether situation collapsed? Like, how much would that cause a, a, a drop in Bitcoin? Because I know other crypto cryptocurrencies would fall to shit. But what, have you ever done an internal estimation just just no. just for your own I don't concern? Know. I don't know. No idea. I mean, it's, all bets are off. I would say. But I, Jim, how do you spell that last name for Chris? You said it was Chris. Uh, no, Cliff, C-L-I-F-H-I-G-H. Oh, Cliff. Cliff High. He's on okay, Twitter. Um, I retweet him. Uh, I think I retweeted him not too too long ago, so it will, you'll find him in my timeline. Um, Sorry about that. I didn't mean to cut you guys off, but go ahead. Yeah, no worries. So, yeah, Tether, it's going to bring down a lot of exchanges and People won't be able to escape. One of the things Bitfinex is pointing out is that uh, the GBTC is trading at like 29,000. The Tether BTC price is inflated at, you know, 41 or whatever. That to me is uh, an indicator of um, price. If you want to, you know, not to who's to say what's to, what what's going to happen when the whole thing falls apart and, People stop believing in Tether and therefore stop accepting it. I don't know, but uh, I think it could get ugly for a while. I have a friend who, who does a lot of uh, technical analysts, and we've talked about the wave theory um, mm -hmm. and the wave theory of the, of the uh, technical charts. And uh, we've the conversation we came to was like if we if we look at a wave five, which would bring which would bring down the market. That that's like between like an eighty-five or eighty-seven percent uh, drop 
in the currency. So if, if we, this is just estimation. This is just a conversation between people. I'm just sharing with you. Yeah. And he 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 pointed out. We calculated it like like maybe around 87, 85 percent would from where Bitcoin is now would bring it back to to that 10k to that 10k number. Yeah. Now if you factor in a wave five theory along with uh, with, if if it ever happens, a deflation of te- of tether, that would bring it way lower than ten k. Again, it's just an estimation, a conversation between people. I'm just sharing yeah. with you. Who knows? Who knows? Um, uh, yeah, I forgot what I was going to say. Oh well. <laughs> um. Sam, what's your thoughts on these, um, the summary judgment for XRP or whatever? I don't even know how you feel about it anymore, but you know, I, um, I, I, I hate to get my hopes up, but you know, like, I think the case is going really well. I love what John Deaton's doing. I think it's amazing. Um, you, I think it's pretty clear that something's happening you know, that there was this plan behind the scenes. I, I, I kind of wish I was still doing XRP a little bit or crypto a little bit because that would be a great story to tell. Maybe I'll go and do that one day. Um, I, I think, you know, what's, what's being foisted on the, the, I don't want to say the normies, but like the crypto community that aren't aware of what's happening is you have these two top coins that are being pushed by everybody. I, you know, I heard that on somebody's pod. Oh, Joe Rogan was talking about all the experts I talked to say Ethereum and Bitcoin is pretty much going to be it. And it's like, well, Joe, yeah, that's because they don't scale and they require a layer two and layer two is just another, is a place for rent seekers to make money off of it. So of course they're going to think that's the ultimate solution and it's just not, um, I, I really, I, I think the still the most important thing is, um, right now is paying attention to what's happening with the vaccine, with the vaccine recipients and so forth. And what's happening with our supply chain, what's happening with the global economy. I think that's going to be forefront, like day-to-day survival for a while could be forefront for a number of years. And I think we're entering into this whole process where the old systems that don't serve us are going to tend to fall away. So while I hope, I hope they win and this and that and so forth, I, I kind of just feel like I don't want to invest a lot of energy into it, into a system that may not even be around because we're all worried about how do we eat uh, you know, next over the next two years or whatever. Yeah. Um, even in like the field of pharmacy, like you start seeing all these, uh, all robots going to be the future or whatever, but things that you still need somebody that's going to be able to build those robots. Mm-hmm. And, and, but even the field of pharmacy has a time limit on it. I mean, not saying that they may not be, you know, still just existing hospitals or whatever, but the real problem with pharmacy is that they have, we've been talking about the same thing for the last 10, 15 years of trying to get some sort of provider status or be able to assess patients and be able to have, you know, or become like maybe a nurse practitioner. And then on the same, you know, 
look at their medications and it might be able to fill your medication at the same time, mm-hmm. you know, and we, we haven't been able to really innovate ourselves as a field. And with the innovation, you know, it could just be where, you know, if you have questions about your medications, nobody's going to be there to answer. You're going to have to just go to the government website or the drug manufacturer website and then you get your question, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and that's really a, that's a really question and, you know, a problem that we have to figure out as a field of pharmacy, but we have horrible organizations, the drug, comp- uh, the drug companies and also the, um, the main chains they run our, our pharmacy organizations. It's all about the bottom line. It's all about, yeah. um, y- you know, how much money, how much can we work off skeleton crews and really burn these pharmacists out and these technicians out? And so we can, and how much lower in pay can we pay these new kids coming out? Um, and see, you and, know, I think this is an environment, sad. this is an environment that's ripe for disruption. And, and you know, the, the solution going forward could be you after, you know, the next bull run, whenever that is, and you've got millions of dollars and you want to do something to change the world, you can come in and, uh, create some kind of better solution that um, solves some of those issues and not do it from the inside, but do it from the outside and just create a better alternative that people naturally use because it makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. That's my hope. Um, So I I think there's so there's going to be so many opportunities for the people in this audience, for the people in crypto that have, you know, made it, you know, as we're going through this process, you're going to see opportunities or problems that you can turn into opportunities by solving for people and kind of be the change, be the thing that comes in and outcompetes the old system that no longer serves us. Yep. So little pause. Hey guys, how you doing? In. Good. How you doing? <laughs> Hey, so pharmacy-related question to me is because um, I'm a I'm a prepper, not a complete nut job of a prepper, but someone who likes <laughs> to have enough water and and food and you know if I was to turn the power off in my house and turn the water off for a week, would I survive? Yep, yeah, I would. But I take medications um, as a lot of people do, and I try and stay on top of those medications so that I have enough. Um, so that if supplies do run out, um, you know, I'm good. But often when you're going to get your meds, they limit you to how much you can have. Yeah. I'm curious, is there any, any ways around um, getting a pharmacist to fulfill a larger script, for instance? Have you got five repeats and you need the whole lot or want the whole lot? How, how could you get that? Well, really, um, we actually got to follow the prescription that the doctor gives you. So that's actually more of a question between you and your doc. But I think what we could do on the pharmacist end is try to, um, you know, expand. And that's really just an expansion of legislation and law. Um, you're not, I'm not going to be able to just be able to spend, I'm like, for certain, but control substance uh, medications, you only can get a certain number or supply of it. But if, let's just say, you know, it, you know, if your doc writes you a script for, you know, I guess a year, you know, maybe looking at expanding out not just 90 day counts, but 180 day counts or something like that. Um, that's really, it's kind of, the, and that's something 
something that would have to be changed from the, within or with you know legislation or state legislation because every state is actually different when it comes to pharmacy. For instance, if uh, you know Rhode Island and Connecticut are actually I want to say um, are right next to each other, but like and there's there's like a group of people like in Rhode Island like I think you cannot fill certain brand like if it, if, it, if they write for a brand name we you cannot in the state of Rhode Island um, fill for a therapeutic equivalent or a generic like you have to fill that and so they actually have a lot of tie-ups because of the legislation there so I, it really when it comes to like the expansion and supply it's going to be really just you talking to your doc and saying hey can you buy before you know six months or a year on and in, in terms of like and also another thing too that also depends on your insurance and what we're actually willing to lend out you know the pharmacy is willing to lend out you know um, um most most of the time it's like a 90-day count or three months or six months i think max is like a six-month supply but i'm not too sure okay, what medication so, you're also referring to as so, well so because i'm in i'm in australia so it's more about if i have the script saying i've got x amount you know i'll go into one pharmacist and say hey i'm going on holiday for a month so i'm going to need extra and then I go to the pharmacist up the road and I go there, hey, guys, yeah, I'm going on holiday for a month. Um, can you fill my script? I need extra. And I'll go and put a nice little stash aside. Um, I'm just wondering, like, do they have their computers interlinked? Can they, is it like a database <laughs> they're using? Like, do they know? They might. Uh, they might know. Um, yeah. Um, the, we have a, uh, I don't know if, if, if it's with every state, but we have a system called Maps, and so we're able to see your field history and whether you've been bouncing from one pharmacy okay. to the next. And you know, there's, there's, and it's also that's also a failure in that front with the whole opioid crisis. I don't even want to get into that, but so, you know, there's you know, with people with that are pain seeking, you know, uh, with pain seeking behaviors yeah. and. I mean that's that's a whole other discussion and story. I, but I had that I had that same issue to where I would travel and I'd forget to bring my prescription bottle and I just wanted extra and the doc was like, oh, I can't prescribe you extra, but here come over to my sample closet and he gave me a whole bunch of samples, and so I just oh. put those in my travel bag and then I would never forget because I was traveling, you know, like every week or two two or three weeks out of the month. And so that that's could be another strategy is see if you can get some samples of the drug from your doctor every time you go see yeah. them. The only thing too is that it's um like there's some drugs that are just uh are like seconds away from like we need to actually look at more medications. Yeah. Um more natural remedies, but also looking at medications that are constantly prescribed, like Zofran. Um, like for nausea, vomiting, and trying to get more over-the-counter medications that you can get. Um, and I think another a drug that was recently made uh, over-the-counter is Voltaren, um, and that they saw more efficacy behind that. But really, the FDA, that's all a sham, too. I mean, even like some of the, like the, the pharmacokinetics behind, you know, how medications are absorbed. They, 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 they do absorption based on how fast it dissolves in the body. <laughs> so right. it's okay. not really a true, like, oh, has it really absorbed in the bloodstream? It's just how fast does the product dissolve in your, in your stomach? <laughs> and then that's the absorption behind it. So, wow. I mean, all even right. that is all skewed and messed up as so well. They, but they have no idea of uptake really. Yeah. I mean, yeah. but, uh, 
I mean, even with the docs, though, these days, they're so overwhelmed. They're seeing a ton of patients. The amount of drug errors I've seen come across my desk, even just on the hospital end, I mean, it, it's a constant every day. Like, it's scary. And I, I, I almost don't even want to, like, get into how many times I've, like, caught something that's like, oh, gosh, like, they prescribed this. And it's just, you know, if you don't have somebody check that, you're, you mean, you're, the patient's going to get harmed. Mm-hmm. I mean, so I had a, can I just jump in there for a sec? Go ahead. That that was something I was really curious about because in any other retail setup, you can see what you want to buy directly behind the person, and you give them the script, and you can see it there. They say, "Great, that'll take about twenty five minutes." It's just like, whoa, yeah. So that is why you guys turn around to the computer and you start cross referencing stuff, or why does it take so long to take that packet from behind you to the point where it goes to get paid for. That's actually, know, that, yeah, that's a great question. Honestly, like we are assessing it. Um, we, you, we might be working on a, like another patient. I'm not too sure, uh, depending on the, the situation, but, you know, with these, um, most pharmacists actually now are preferring, like they moved from the closed pharmacist, like it used to, the walls used to be up and you couldn't really see what's going on in the pharmacy. And that's kind of a little bit the better thing. Because now with the open system, it's almost like you're walking into a, a subway. You know, you make your order, then you walk over and you see them. You know, kind of you want your you want your medications quickly as as possible. And you know, you got people staring you down when you're trying to count by fives or whatever. But at the same time, we're trying to also look at your medications to see if there's any interactions. Um, and it, maybe before it would have taken five ten minutes. You know. Uh, and depending on how, how busy your pharmacy is or not, but, uh, we are looking at like, what medications are you on? And if there's any interactions with it, and if that takes 25, a little bit longer because there's so much more now the pharmacist is doing, it might be 25 minutes because I mean, it could have been five minutes for your case, but hold on, you got to wait in line because we now have to give COVID vaccinations because of the vaccine mandate. And then they also want flu on the, on the side as well. And then, hey, you're now due for this vaccine, so we're trying to knock it all out, you know, all out in one fell swoop. And meanwhile, phones are going off, and you got five different things going, and that's where you're kind of seeing that burnout. But uh, to answer your to answer your question, and that's why it's taking 25 minutes, is that now there's there's more and more they're more overwhelmed, if anything. And well, uh, I appreciate I appreciate what you're doing. Keep doing it for as long as you can do it, because we need you. And uh, thank you very much. We'll, uh, no chat problem. Soon. Thank you, little pause. Okay. Um, what else you want to say? Anything? Or we can wrap up here. We can wrap up. I don't really know if you have anything else to say. Uh, um, yeah, it's just it's going to be very interesting to see what kind of comes forth. I think everybody just needs to, to constantly do the research and um, just know that there's people that are even in healthcare that are just even they even have questions and they're trying to figure out what's going on. Yeah, and uh, and and a lot of it doesn't. A lot of things don't even make sense on our end. It's just and I, whatever they're kind of shoving down our throats and going from there. And I I want to invite you to kind of pay attention to things if they continue falling apart and continue to kind of degrade and uh, reach out to me and kind of let me know when you're, when some of the, when, if things are kind of breaking down and and you're 
observing that, if that makes sense. Yeah, for I'm, sure. I'm I'll, I mean, I'll of, notice if there's any like type of trends or status yeah, effects that I'm seeing. I think that's an important early warning sign. And um, I, I mean, as I was mentioning earlier, the, the big warning sign I'm seeing is that we're starting to see more and more of these monoclonal antibodies that are coming across. Like the ones in the past that were working are not working anymore. Yeah. And we're getting newer and newer drugs that you know, okay, well, here's a newer monoclonal antibody. Well, I don't know the long-term side effects of it. It might be helpful now, but, you know, is this going to be safe and effective? You know, is, are you going to be okay in the future? Yeah. You know, same with I, these vaccines. I think that's like, what we're going to find. With these vaccines? I think that's what we're going to find is so many of these people that got this these vaccines are going to start developing all sorts of different conditions because it's, I mean, it's just so wild what it's doing to the body. Um, that's that's just my fear is that what oh yeah. gosh I just I don't even want to think about it I know. you know I, I, for myself. I hate like I do do you think I have the right approach with kind of if you've listened to the show with how I talk about it I try and be honest with people I, I at the same time I realize you've got to be like holy shit what have I done some days what do you what do you yeah like, where are you with with you know having taken the shot and and knowing what you know and hearing me like what what kind of emotions have you gone through and what, what's been your process well the thing is that sam everything you're saying is valid you everything you're saying is valid the thing is that how i feel i really do feel and maybe not just myself i just feel like i'm in a system that we just feel trapped and i can't speak my I, i'm I, I i honestly feel relieved getting this all out on your yeah. show because i i feel silent and a lot of people you know go talk to I encourage people go talk to your pharmacist and find out you, that you fill your drugs with and ask them how overwhelmed do you feel right now? Mm-hmm. And they're going to just, and it's almost like it's a, they're just silently crying for help yeah. in the, in the field. And it's just like, because you have people that are dictating what you do and there's just so many things that we can't control in the healthcare industry that they're taking your a, power away from you. And, and exactly. Like the, even just the patient autonomy in itself is just saying, you know, and just even being shamed for just making your own healthcare decision, mm-hmm. you know, like maybe I don't want a vaccine or maybe I don't want that, that medication or drug and not be shamed for it. You know, all yeah. this, they didn't want to accept COVID while they died, you know, that's on them, you know, and that's kind of like the, the attitude that they have, you know, some of these docs that they have and it's just, well, again, if they don't want to take it, they don't, then they, they shouldn't take it. Mm-hmm. Um, we got a new speaker coming up. I don't know. Yeah, crypto crypto. Craig, you can unmute if you like and jump in. Yeah. Hey, Sam. Hey, hey. Uh, crypto pharmacist. <laughs> How you guys doing? Great. Good. What's on How are you doing? Uh, I just wanted to say that, uh, like, my, my brother is actually a pharmacist dealing with the same stuff that uh, you're saying. It, uh, it, it is happening all over. Okay. Yeah. And... And then uh, I just appreciate you guys both uh, giving out the information. Okay. You're welcome, man. You're welcome. Appreciate it. Yeah. Yeah. You know, when you were Thank describing you uh, Crypto Crank, the uh, prescription process and why it's taking so long, like I'm picturing this <clears throat> robotic dispensing and filling machine behind you that you double check as the human and, and uh, a, a, a cross-referencing automated system, like... I think the technology is there to do that today. There'd have to be a lot of safeguards and things like that 
uh, into mm-hmm. a system like that. But, you know, maybe that's a, uh, eventually I almost think we're going to have 3d printed, uh, drugs and it, it's going to completely decentralize the whole thing. And wow. Good luck DEA, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It'd be very, <laughs> that'd be pretty interesting or whatever. But again, like with, you know, the shortages and all that, you know, yeah. I always, you know, everyone that's listening right now, like if you're getting your medication, then your medications look different. Just double check the cap before you leave, you know, because again, you know, with them being overwhelmed and being with, running on skeleton crews. I mean, they're getting mistakes, you know, they might, they'll make mistakes, Mm -hmm. you know, and mistakes happen every single day. I mean, I've made mistakes. Um, my technicians making medications with how overwhelmed that they've, they've felt even in just the hospital end, you know, I mean, I've, I've had a situation where I caught somebody, um, was the technician was making, I mean, he doesn't work for anymore. So I guess I can bring this up. He wasn't, uh, he was making an epinephrine drip and he ended up, um, no, actually backtrack, making a vancomycin drip and then sh- accidentally shot epinephrine in it because we had an epi bag or an epinephrine order come across and the, thank God that he caught it. But the thing is that on my end, everything looked like it was normal, but then, you know, it took him saying, Oh my gosh, I think I might've actually shot that, you know, that drug in there. And it's like, it, that's scary stuff like that happens every single day. I mean, even when I was in rotations, you know, the patient was supposed to receive tramadol and the. And then they ended up receiving a drug that made them sleepy. I think it was like Trazodone or something like that. And they're falling asleep at work, you know? And the, you look at the bottles, you look at the pills, they're the exact same thing. But then, you know, the markings are just a little bit different. Yeah. And that's the thing. It's like, you know, it's. And that's it's, where, it's so, it's you so know, scary. if you go to, if you end up being some kind of pioneer, that's where you can use AI to scan the pills and make sure they've got the right little markings on them or whatever. And, yeah. uh, you know, eliminate some of those mistakes and create a solution that just outcompetes what exists today. And at the same yeah. time solves a lot of the kind of stress issues and things that y'all are dealing with. Yeah. And then honestly, you know, you brought up a good point about AI. I mean, AI might eventually replace my field, you it know? Could, yeah. So I, I, I think mean, a lot of those people... are questions I have to ask myself and I'm hoping that I make enough money that I can look and get into another field or what, or what mm-hmm. that, but it, I mean, it's, it's there. It, 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 the, the, the fear is that, you know, you just have an AI run it and then you just, you pay a technician just 16 to $20 and all you don't need the, 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 the farms that's out there to, you know, you know, their pains top dollar to the, the figure out and, you know, counsel your patients on, and you don't really need that. We just have an AI, you know, Hey, let me, I got a question for you. AI. Yeah. And that can talk to you like a, like a robot and give you the, the answers. Yeah. You know? But I was in I, Westworld. I, he had a, he had an AI therapist that, uh, he would call, that yeah. would call him on the phone and, and talk to him and was monitoring what he was doing. I mean, it was, it's, it's crazy the world that we're going to go into. I think there will be yeah. tremendous opportunities, though, for people that recognize them. And those opportunities Absolutely. are going to be to replace, outcompete, um, disrupt the existing systems that we have that just aren't really serving us anymore. Yep. So. 100%. All right. I appreciate the perspective and thank you for uh, suggesting this. And I'm, I'm glad we had this yeah. discussion. This kind of stuff really helps me like form my opinions. I, I try and 
represent things as accurately as I can. And I get called out all the time for when I get stuff wrong. The the blood draw is one that I've got to go get the facts on from a phlebotomist who's going to explain it to me, I think. So it's yeah. a process, but uh, I appreciate you uh, sharing your perspective. And I'm happy to give you the space to uh, to emote or vent or whatever you want to call it. Yeah. I mean, and I'm not the only one that's out there, you know, and I would highly, and again, thank you for giving that space, but I highly encourage more of these Twitter spaces and, you know, not just the ICU nurses, but Mm -hmm. to, you know, other healthcare workers, other doctors that are just, you know, on the side and like they're seeing what's going on and just being able to get that open space with, I think think there's a lot more people in your boat and in a similar boat than people will realize and I think they feel kind of alone and isolated and I think this helps helps them see that oh okay no I'm not I'm not alone there are other people that feel this way and what do we do about it now yeah thank you Sam thank you for your time okay everyone have a great night thank you for joining the spaces I will be back I don't know when but at some point have a great evening everyone Thank <laughs> you.